0: Hey everybody, welcome to Quest for Peace. I'm Maya Zaktar, and if you're still watching this, that means I'm still on a quest for peace. It's been seven years now, and still not there, but I'm getting there. Uh, I've been talking to lots of friends lately, trying to figure out what exactly they do to get peaceful, and uh, we just we shot a whole bunch of this stuff at once, so my brain is mush. So of course, since my brain is mush, I bring on a future me, a person who's basically me nine years in the future because I'm doing all his old jobs. Because, why the hell not? We got Tom Merritt on. Hey, Tom.
1: Hello, I has. How are you? I'm future you. I'm good, man. Why do I sound uh, like... You? Why do I sound like... An... I don't know. Well, you made it sound like it was so far in the future. Well, no, um, you I imagined a wizened old Diaz with a stick.
0: Why would I end up with that accent? That was the question. That's my only question. Who knows?
1: Who knows what the future holds and why you ended up with that accent?
0: That's just the way we talk in the future.
1: It was probably some kind of uh, vocal transplant.
0: That's the way it works. Okay, so Tom, yeah. Internet not, of Things. Not that people really need this, but if people don't know you, um, could you tell people about yourself?
1: I am I as actor nine years later. Uh, I yeah, no, I'm I'm a podcaster. I do Daily Tech News Show. It's my main show. I also do a show called Sword and Laser, which is about science fiction and fantasy books, cord killers about cord cutting and watching TV and movies, and current geek which is all about geeky topics uh, in the news uh, those are all weeklies and daily tech news shows the name says is daily
0: okay so then let's see what should we hit today we've done a previous episode a while ago and i noticed you're wearing a hat yeah you still haven't found peace
1: since that episode
0: well you, you think that i i would get there uh, where am i with peace so since our last episode when tom and i did a show at gfqnetwork.com so if you want to see the old episode go there i look for quest for peace under the show section uh I think you're like my second or third guest. Uh, I moved to New York. You know about this?
1: Yeah, I actually met you in New York uh, in October, and we went to Dunkin' Donuts. That
0: was you, right? Future yeah. me. I keep forgetting about it. It was this. me
1: the whole time. It's the hat. Throw- I'll take off the hat it's, and reveal. It's throwing <laughs> me
0: off, man. The hat's really throwing me off. Uh, but yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I, yeah I, I, I'm in the interest of transparency. Uh, my hair is a mess this morning. So that's why the hat's on.
0: Okay, I thought it was I for I as. I'm like, cool. This is such a rah oh, rah yeah.
1: thing. Actually, I, that's kind of. I didn't even think about that. I, yes, totally.
0: That's see, that's the thing. In the future, you're going to remember that.
1: <laughs> right. Uh,
0: yeah. So I moved to New York. Uh, I dragged a California girl with me, and um, you know, it's and I have I have my son a lot more. So that peace thing, you know, if I had anything going in California, uh, some shifting happened. Right. So that that takes a while to readjust. So Earthquakes. I, uh, well, not, there's a lack of them here. So yeah. that's part of it. That's why I haven't found peace just yet. Anyway, I should be asking you questions. You're asking me questions. Yeah,
1: yeah sorry. I sort of <laughs> turned into uh, old habits, turned into the interviewer. So I is. Tell me about your piece. I will
0: tell you about my piece. My piece is not working so well. Well, my earpiece isn't actually, technically. That's why I'm fiddling with this thing. Anyway.
1: <laughs> oh, I thought, see, I was under the misimpression of the show the entire time. It's a quest for a working earpiece.
0: <laughs> um,. So, yeah, if you guys don't know, Tom and I are friends. Can you, go, can you figure? This is yeah, life. you hopefully caught on to yeah. that by now. Anyway, so, uh, oh, yeah, that, that's something I want to dispel for anybody who thought we are some kind of, like, we combat. We do like to combat. We like to argue and discuss. And that's what people do, right? That, that's, this is something I wanted to ask you about because I am bad at humaning. And, and, and since you are <laughs> me in some respects and, and you do seem to understand arguing with somebody without it getting personal, How do you manage that line? Because I love arguing points to death. I used to do this with my dad. I used to fight with him about like, you know, uh, not facts, but just different points of view. And at the end of the day, we could just go out and have a meal. It's not a big deal. My older brother always found that to be very disrespectful. Be like, how could you argue with our father? I'm like, because he's got a brain. I want to know what he thinks. That's all I wanted to do to to learn that way. How do you balance uh, what appears to be a love of argument with, I don't know, being a likable fellow?
1: Uh well, hopefully I do it well. I don't know, but uh, I, two things come to mind. One is, I often think that my love of podcasting, especially doing podcasts that are discussions like this one, comes from conversations I would have with my grandpa, uh, my grandpa Carl was plant accountant at American Can Company. He had pulled himself up by his bootstraps from the mailroom room uh, when he had lied about his age to get a job, all the way up uh, to becoming an accountant without ever going to college. Uh, and he was an incredibly smart guy. So I would go over to his house. He, uh, by, you know, by the time I was young, he lived in the same town as us in Greenville, Illinois, and lived right up the street. And we would just sit and we would talk about politics and news and the world. And I always wanted to argue with him about things and he was a very strong personality and and the kind of person who could get, you know, could very forceful. And so I sort of cut my teeth on figuring out, like, how could I make my point to Grandpa Carl? And then that fast forward to Buzz Out Loud, uh, which is, I think, where I I came up with my other strategy uh, uh, or where I learned anyway, how to argue with someone so that they don't get their feelings hurt. Uh, Molly Wood and I would, would lock horns. And we talked about this on the recent Buzz Out Loud reunion. Sometimes it would be like, we would lock horns, we'd finish the show and we'd be like, hey, you know, it's great that we can have these like intense discussions and then walk away friends. But after a while, it started to become an issue and we had to learn like, where's the line? And I think that's the key is understanding that not everybody likes to argue in the same way or in, in the same level of intensity. So you have to, you have to get to know the other, the person on the other side of the argument. Now, if you're just, you know, having a different person on a show uh, every day, that means you're going to hold that line pretty far back. But you and I, you know, we got to know each other and I started to realize, oh, well, I, I, as is a person who likes to lock horns this way. uh, And so I would take it farther with you than I would with maybe somebody else. And then, and and yeah, when you're on public, when you're on a show that people watch, they don't know where that line is between the two people. And so they start to wonder, like, wow, did those guys actually, like, fight like that for real? Um, but, yeah, it, it's different with every person.
0: Yeah, that, that, was, that was one of my favorite questions was, why do you hate Tom? It's like, <laughs> I, I don't. I quite like him, actually. He's, he's, he's fun to argue with. And, like, and well, I would what?
1: get the, like, why are you so disrespectful to Ayaz?
0: Well, that happened anyway. I mean, you'd always, like, constantly, like, push me down, throw sand in my face. <laughs> Call me not a real man. This is very Thanks. odd. Charles. Thanks, buddy. Kind of
1: Appreciate you clearing that up. <laughs> like, oh, no, that part was totally real. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, no, I, and it was just perception of people like if because I was the, the main host, if I disagreed with Ayaz, it was me being pushy and disrespectful and aggressive. Uh, if Ayaz dis- disagreed with me, then it was him not liking me. And in fact, all it was was in some cases, not even disagreeing, but just deciding to explore an issue, right? Like just saying, oh, well, you're going to take that side. Let me take this side and see where it goes.
0: Yeah. And the other thing is like just hearing an idea be brought out to its conclusion and like here's the argument I I see and let's find some flaws with it. And if you find them first, that's fine. I don't have to defend it to the death. What difference does it make? Um, Anyway, let's see, we're talking about intensity, right? Now that's been a word to describe me for a very long time. Uh, I, I got this, I got a job a long time ago, back when I was a research assistant. And within about 20 seconds of being hired, I was told by my professor, you're very intense, aren't you? Now, do you have any idea why I give off that vibe, and how do you mask that?
1: I don't know. Uh, it, it's a it's a weird thing to tell someone who you think is being intense that they're being intense. It, it's almost like, do you realize? I think that maybe the the thing is to be like, do you realize how you're coming across? Uh, because I, you know, that's a real hard one. What it is is, generally, people like to drop stuff quickly, right? Uh, if they, they if they sense tension or conflict, it's not it's not worth getting into it about. Uh, and sometimes you really drive at a point. You're like, no, I, I I want to understand this, and it's difficult for some people to recognize that that's just you getting kind of single minded and focused, right? Uh, and I have the same thing where where I I will have to realize myself. Okay, I recognize that that person is starting to stare at me as if I have three heads. I am probably overdoing it on this point and let me back off a little bit and maybe change the topic or make a crack a joke to lighten the mood. Uh, Because, yeah, I think some people realize, you know, they're just not as interested in whatever it is that you're being intense about, maybe.
0: Well, how how do you recognize that point? I'm thinking that I've gotten better at it, but you seem to be very good at that. How exactly... Like, what are you looking for in cues? I mean, I talked about this in, <laughs> in other shows. I, I'm pretty bad. Not reading people, but putting myself in their shoes. I'm like, well, why wouldn't you want to argue this long, Duh. Like everyone wants to do that, right? This very, yeah. it's a very immature attitude, actually. So like what, what? What a child thinks, like, oh, I like oranges. You must love oranges. We all love oranges, right? How, how do you yeah. get?
1: How do you deal with the orange haters? Yeah, of the world.
0: Or- how, Tom?
1: I I don't know, man. You you say I'm good at it. I hope I hope I'm better at it. I haven't always been very good at it, but. It is making an effort to pay attention to the other person and not yourself, right? If you're like, I like oranges. We should talk about oranges. That's all very inward directed. It's all about you. What you have to do is look at the other person and go, huh, they're not saying anything or what they're saying is very short and not very interesting or their tone is starting to get defensive uh, or they're just walking away. Come back. I want to talk about oranges. Uh, you know, it's, it's those kinds of things. When you see that the person isn't leaning in, they're not making eye contact, they're not exploring uh, the topic anymore, I guess. I don't know. I'm just coming up with that stuff off the top of my head, though.
0: Well, that's good. I mean, we haven't prepared anything for this episode, and I have no idea. I've got a couple of questions I do want to ask you, though, because I don't know if these are even appropriate. So if you say you don't want to talk about it, you can say pass. Okay? Okay. All right. So uh, we've worked together in the past. Pass. <laughs> damn. Oh, We've kidding. worked together just... in the past. Don't don't. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> in the past, and I've seen you sometimes get irritated, but you get irritated for like all of three seconds, and then you switch back right away when necessary. And like it's it's not like you stay angry. Like I used to, I, when I get upset, I'd stay angry and plateau for a while, and then to come back down, you know, kind of chill out. Yeah. But you get like a spike, and it goes away so damn fast. And now I've explained all that. You can't pass through that one. Sorry.
1: Um, It doesn't though. I mean, that's, that's the secret is I have worked very hard for a long time to not let things, not let irritation and anger overtake, uh, things because it, because it, it doesn't end up helping. And that's just, that's just experience and paying attention to yourself. I think it's, it's saying, you know, like, all right, I'm irritated by this, but let me set that aside for a moment. Um, I also – I don't know. I've always been the kind of person – I think naturally, too, I have an advantage. Sometimes human beings like to take their natural advantages and uh, and and turn them into virtues. Uh, and I I'm, I think I might be bordering on that because I've always had a natural tendency to flare up and then let it go. Like I, I don't hold grudges very often. Not that I've never held a grudge, but it, it's, it's harder for me to hold a grudge. I, it just – it's just a personality trait. And so that helps. But even then, like sometimes when I'm still feeling the irritation and the anger, I've just learned to like, you know what? Pursuing that, letting that control what you say next is not going to help. So just, you know, it's 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 learning when to just not say anything uh and and move along.
0: It's uh, funny you say that because I was uh I was saying another episode and just been figuring this out myself that one of the biggest advantages that I I uh, or skills I have at work uh, is to be selective in what I say. And one of the problems I run into in real life is that I am not so selective. I just start blathering at the mouth, which gets me in a lot of trouble. So yeah, being selective and I think in action, not flaring up, not actually uh, just taking a step back. Yeah. Definitely. That,
1: you know, that was one of the biggest things, now that we're talking about this, that I, I remember learning, uh, and I don't know when, at some point in my life, I realized, oh, you don't have to respond to everything. It's like... Not responding is sometimes a better and more productive response. And, and for the longest time, I would always think, well, if they said something, I have to say something. And it wasn't, it wasn't trying to have the last word, or at least not consciously. It was just feeling like it was impolite somehow to not, to not acknowledge what the person said, but also carrying forward the discussion. And sometimes it's just not fruitful. You know, just let them be right.
0: Yeah, I've heard the phrase, you know, it's better to be kind than right, that kind of thing. Like, there's no point yeah, yeah. sticking
1: to that. Uh, well, I think we as human beings, we we want to be right. I think that's just natural. Uh, and so it feels like if you don't respond, if you don't contradict, if you don't come to a conclusion where you either see why the other person is right or they agree that you're right, that then something is left unresolved in, in the world, and and things aren't right in the world, and we and we must we must come to that conclusion. And and the, that's a lie. The fact is that a lot of times you may have already convinced the other person or they may have even already convinced you and the two of you haven't realized it until you stop and reflect on it later. I mean that was that was a big revelation for me and again I don't have examples of when but at some point I realized I was having an argument with somebody and I just stopped and I you know I'm like okay fine and I I was feeling like ah, I didn't convince them they still think and then later on they would express the opinion that I had been arguing for because what they didn't want to do is admit that I was right in the in the discussion but I had convinced them and they came around to it later so uh and and vice versa I'm, I'm not saying like I always won that way sometimes I would do that I would stop and like well I'm not going to convince them and then later on go huh you know what actually they're kind of right and it's there's been a lot of uh, articles recently about this in in regards to just online arguments people people on the internet arguing you are much more likely to persuade someone if you admit part of what they're saying is right uh, than you are if you just try to show them facts why they're wrong. They'll just resist it.
0: Yeah, the other thing is, for me, I've been thinking, like, it's been a while now, that I can have an opinion, that I like something, and you can have a different opinion, and it doesn't affect me in the least, as in not like, oh, it would be nice if you liked the same thing I did, but it doesn't make what I'm enjoying any any worse. You know, just because... I have an iPhone, you have an Android phone. Let's fight about that. That's well, pointless.
1: Especially, I, I I run into that with TV shows a lot. Do you? Uh, where, 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 yeah. where you're like, oh, I really like this show. And they're like, no, that show is awful. I watch so, Pro Wrestling. So
0: come on. Right there. That that will explain to you. Like, you watch Pro Wrestling. You, you seem really smart. That's that starts <laughs> many a discussion. So yes, I I can I can relate.
1: Or music. Music's the same thing. It's like, what? You like that band? And it's like, you know what? There's, there's room in this world for us all to like different things. It's totally cool.
0: Yeah, when it comes to TV shows, there's a lot of pressure to like, okay, you haven't watched that? You haven't watched that? I'm like, no, I was like, I was at the auto show with my son. Like, I was experiencing some life. I wasn't, you know, I didn't know that there was a throne with, like, swords on it. I, mi- I missed it. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry I missed out the, the shared culture that we all have. What? You're insane. You know, let, let, let's talk a bit about that. You're into all all kinds of, of nerdery, okay? I'm very particular in the nerdery that I'm in, right? Like, I like science fiction. I'm not so big into wizards and warriors kinds of stuff. If you put an elf, like, they put an elf in Thor, too, and I was like, no, not an elf. No, I'll buy the, the <laughs> magic I'll buy I'll buy the Norse stuff, but not an elf, please. Dark yeah, elves we'll an now. Orc? See, on elves? I so I wasn't exactly into that stuff, but, like, fitting in at times I think is very difficult, especially, like, I'm, I thought I was a nerd when I was a kid. And then as I've gotten older, I'm moving away from certain nerdy things. I'm like, and I'm finding other ones. How do you, I guess not fit in. How do you feel about not fitting into, I guess, one particular group?
1: Yeah, this is something that I learned from my wife. Uh, And it's not that I didn't know it before, but she really turned me around to be comfortable with liking popular things. Uh, and, And to me... It's just as bad to pretend you don't like something that's popular so that you look cool as it is to like something that's popular just because it's popular. Right? I mean, for the longest time I was like, okay, I don't wanna I don't wanna look uncool by liking this this thing, right? What well, maybe it was a nerdy thing or maybe it was a popular thing. But I, you know, I need to like the cool I need to be seen to like the cool things. Uh and it turns out like that's just as pretentious and just as annoying. As just being honest and saying, guy, you know what? Uh, Maybe I like One Direction. Um, I don't, but, you know, if I did, like, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I actually like Jennifer Lopez songs. There's a better example. Like, I honestly like them. Uh, and I don't care. Like, if you, oh, what? How can you? Her voice is off. Like, you know what? This isn't me liking her because she's hugely popular. I just like. I want to be. I came to a point where, like, it's okay to just say, you know what? That I like that. It's fine, that and I don't cool. like it because of other people liking it. That's why there's always the backlash against popular stuff, and I think nerdy stuff is becoming that way. I, I guess that's the point I'm trying to get around to. Is like elves and superheroes. And things that were once unpopular and like, oh, psh, nerdy, are now massively popular. And so it's that same kind of pressure of like, hey, Ayaz, you have to like what we like. Now, was
0: also with your musical example. I, I basically had to give in to the fact Lady Gaga music. OK, it speaks to me. I can't do anything about it. I enjoy it. And it's There's fun nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But, but like it's it, so uncool. It's like you like this pop music. You like the Beatles. You like real music. I'm like. She can really work. This is some good stuff here. So like, I can't choose that's that.
1: Stephanie Germanata can sing. Is she hear a poker face
0: it? on the piano? It's awesome. Yeah. Anyway, that's me trying to convince you, audience, that it's not completely lame. It doesn't matter if it's completely lame.
1: Well, and that's that's the point, right? Like, I get that being a sheep and liking X boy band slash X girl band just because it's massively marketed and it's not very good is is. Is something that I don't I don't value either. Like that mass culture of like, oh, you only like the Bay City Rollers because they plastered their names and their faces on every teen magazine out there, right? To steal an example from the nineteen seventies. Uh, but that doesn't mean that if you find yourself singing along to Saturday Night, that it's bad. Uh, so so don't like something just because everyone likes it, but don't not like something just because everyone else likes it. Uh, just be honest and like what you like. If you don't like elves, it's fine. Ios,
0: I'm really glad that you said that. Now I have approval. So you're here to hear. I have approval <laughs> not to like elves. But,
1: <laughs> but like you know, elves. that's what I'm saying is you don't need approval. You don't like elves. You don't like elves.
0: Yeah, that's that's the thing. Like I, for me to to um, try to fit in to everything that what, I, what used to be classified as I mean, I was an X Men nerd, right? So that's very particular, and that's got all kinds of magic, cosmic, other nonsense going on there too. But it's just you know what you like and i would be ostracized for that in school and you fit in with that little nerdy group and then it obviously changed a lot uh changing gears i wanted to ask you about this too now your wife works at youtube and yes. she that's one of the reasons why
1: one of the she's reasons. actually upstairs listening to one direction which is why i brought up that is
0: <laughs> one of the bigger direct, bigger reasons why you're in los angeles now um how are you adjusting to the fact that she's like in new york a lot i just saw that she was in tokyo She's traveling a lot. How how does that impact you and how do you like deal with that?
1: Uh, That's a good question Uh, because she didn't travel a lot for a long time and I was always the one traveling and it was usually weekend stuff. Like I would go to Baycon or DragonCon or Nerdtacular and she couldn't make it. Uh, so it it was different, especially when she went to New York. Uh, I have never liked being away from her since we got together, uh, and and vice versa. But when I travel, there's always something to distract me from it, right? I don't think of it all the time. Uh, and and so being at home in the normal routine was weird. One thing about the way we construct our lives is is that I'm in, I'm working from home all day, so all day I'm in the house without her. That actually helped a little because parts of my evening it would just feel like, oh, she's just working late. Uh wh- where it really bummed me out was I wanted to like go to one of our favorite restaurants or or head out to, you know, a a, a place where we like to go and just walk around or shop. Mostly what we do together is eat. Uh and and I couldn't do th- I couldn't do that with her. And I was like, well, I don't even know if I want to do it. It's not any fun to do it alone. Uh so so, yeah, I had to I had to just kind of distract myself and I, I worked and watched a lot of TV. Uh, and of course, I went out to New York for a week. and That's when I saw you. And that that helped uh, to be able to say, like, OK, well, I'm, it's not going to be an entire month. When she went to Japan, I was going to South by Southwest for Austin for part of that. So, again, I, w- I was gone and distracted uh, quite a bit. So it hasn't been awful uh, and it's only been a, a those those couple of of trips so far that are very far and very extended.
0: Yeah, I, like I, Liz, her, her entire family's in California. Well, not entire. Some of them in Chicago, and she's been visiting the past couple of. Uh, she's still she's here now, but she was gone for a couple of days, and it's just weird for me because it's one thing where I would be sent for a trip to Las Vegas, or oh, we're going to go to CES because that's what you do, and you're busy all day, so you're not really thinking like.
1: Oh yeah, especially something like CES where you you don't even have time to think about yourself.
0: You're like, oh, about. is there food here? Good, whatever, just, just whatever. Yeah. Is I what? live at
1: CES now. Yeah,
0: this is my trailer. This is my seat. I'm happy. Uh, but it, there's that weird feeling of you come home. You're like, okay, this is odd. And okay, well, now you now what? What do you what do you do? And that for me was very odd because you know she's going out to California where her family is and that's a huge support structure. And then she has to come back and I was I was terrified. I mean, I'll be honest about it. I was like, she's gonna come back and I'm like it's just me. And two dogs. And we're... I mean, the dogs are very supportive. And I, well, I'm wait, working on wait, it.
1: Hold on. Back up a second. She's going to come back and it'll be just you and the two dogs. Uh, that's... The support that's structure. Because who... her family's
0: all in California.
1: Oh, I see what you're saying. So she's going to have the support structure. She's going to come mm-hmm. back and realize like, huh, all I have are these two dogs and I as
0: Yeah. And I mean, and as good as the dogs are uh, at being supportive, uh, I don't think they match the family thing. And so that had me freaked out. And I actually, had, like this... This was something that got me a lot of, just, just caused a lot of grief for me. And I was like, okay, what do I got to do? Like, okay, um, I should just talk to her about it. This is a crazy idea I had. Um, because normally I would just try to go, no, nah, you're being stupid. You really shouldn't worry about it to myself and hope that everything would be fine. But I had to talk about it. Because to me, that was like, okay, well, I just ripped her away from California. And now what happens? Um, that was very odd. So i mean with your situation. It's all travel for business, but this thing is like kind of inverted. So it's looking for some uh, what's that insight for that one?
1: Yeah, and her family. What's weird is like a lot of her my my wife's family are in the L.A. area, but not near us. So we don't see them very often. Uh, in fact, we see her immediate family, her dad and her sister, more often. But they're way up in San Jose. Um, but we but she would have to go up there. Uh, to see them or they have to go down here. So it's different than when we both lived in the Bay Area. Uh, she could just kind of drive down whenever, you know, Father's Days and all that sort of thing. That's kind of new for her is to have to travel to see her family too. Not as far, obviously. Um, Yeah, it's any of those kinds of things that freak you out. It's really easy to start cascading through like, okay, well, what happens if she gets home and, realizes the missing support structure, and then does this and then all of a sudden you're having an argument about something that hasn't happened so i find that helps me a lot to realize wait let me worry about the things that have actually happened first uh and not and not catastrophize about the things that haven't quite yet i always want to i can't stop myself from thinking about them and preparing for them but at least i've gotten to where i can say but it's silly to get upset about it when it hasn't happened so just trying to step back a little.
0: Yeah. So spoiler alert, that all worked out and everything's fine. And, we're, but yeah, this is at the studio. Just, so yeah, I assume Liz is right over here. So like everything worked out great. And, you know, we talked about it and and everything's going very well, but that, yeah, that was something that the idea of don't, don't live a fictionalized life that you haven't had yet. So like what yeah. actually happened and that I've thought has actually led me to a lot of relaxation. If you believe that me, relax.
1: Have you ever done that, that thing where you like have an entire argument with someone in your head, that they don't know about. And then you feel resentful because you made up their side of the argument.
0: Yeah. It's like, I can't believe you would say that to me. Like, but you didn't,
1: I can't believe it's possible that should we have really had that conversation, you would have said that to me.
0: That's like having a, being angry after a dream. I've had that a couple of times where I woke up and I was like, you, and I was like, what are you doing in my head? I didn't say anything out loud. I was just like, I can't believe she did that in my dream. Like, this is, she has nothing to do with this. Absolutely nothing to do with it. So there's some piece of advice there. That's another thing that we were talking about being selective. Um, Something I've told my therapist is like, I said this phrase and he was like, this is really good. I want to write it down, which I thought was really weird. I said, I don't have to give every dumb idea I have a voice. It's like, just because I think it doesn't mean I got to say it. So I can think all kinds of horrible things, but the secret and like having a happy day is to make sure that you didn't say too much of it. You know, you just say a couple of things and things work out.
1: Yeah. that That is something that I I, I find intriguing. We all have different levels of, of natural anxiety, right? Uh, I, it's something I've noticed in myself and a lot of friends. Like certain things will happen to two people and they'll have very different reactions. And I feel like one of them just has a naturally higher level of anxiety. So adding that much more anxiety just set them over the top. Uh, and and that's a really clever way of of dealing with it to say, let me not prioritize those anxious voices in my head. How are you at com- uh,
0: compartmentalizing things in your head?
1: Pre- I don't know. I think I'm pretty good at it. Like Like, what do you mean? Give me an example.
0: Well, I mean... Treating things all fact-based and trying to keep things orderly in your brain, I guess. I mean, I, w- I was told recently, and this is by a professional, saying, you compartmentalize too much. And because mm. of that, I'm very logical and detached when it comes to certain kinds of emotions because I'm like, well, it should fit in here. This is logical, right? Like, this is not that offensive because it's just logical. So I guess yeah. because of that, I don't have this idea of stepping back and going, oh, wait a minute. There's a bigger picture.
1: Yeah, I... I definitely have a natural uh, way of distancing myself from certain things, sometimes to my detriment. Like you're saying, uh, where people are like, "You, you are way too. You're suppressing your emotions," and I'm like, oh, "I don't know. Maybe I am, but I'm not doing it on purpose." Uh, and it's actually served me well in doing what I do to be able to look at a, a like a news story and say, okay, like I'm not a fan of Apple or Android. So let me break down like, okay, these are the facts. Uh yeah, it, it can be a problem in real life when someone is having an emotional reaction and you respond with logic because that doesn't they don't care. That person doesn't care about the logic of the situation. So I, I've made I've made an extra effort to try to say to people i uh, you're totally legitimate in feeling that way like i find myself especially in conversations with eileen you know when she talks about work or relationships with friends or whatever and she's, she's like oh, i'm so mad because of this i'm like absolutely right you're 100 percent right to feel that way but keep in mind on the other side of things and then you can do the logical argument it, it it really it really is amazingly helpful to just validate to someone, you know, and I like it when it's done to me too. Like it's not a trick. It's just like, yeah, okay, good. I'm not crazy for feeling that way, but don't let that feeling guide your action because there's these other things to consider.
0: See, that's where I got in trouble too, because one of my my main therapist when I was California was saying basically everything I I thought because I was very narcissistic and I thought, Oh, somebody did something, it was a personal thing against me. They basically told me like what you're feeling is wrong. And I was like, "Whoa, okay." Nobody really tells me that, and most people tell you to, you know, validate a feeling and kind of like own it and that kind of thing. But I've heard a lot of well-adjusted people like you, Tom, saying to, you know, validate feelings and to like take them into note. And I'm not trying to talk down anybody, but everyone seems that seems to be like a big key. Like I, I'm. It's it's weird for me to be able to go to somebody. Your feelings are okay. When I was told, no, like that doesn't work.
1: Well, but you're also turning this about into a big about what you were told again. And you're right to feel that way. I get that. No, I, 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 all, all joking aside, it, it is different. I don't know why that person would say you're wrong to feel that way. But it's different to say you're right to feel that way versus I understand why you feel that way. It's a subtle difference, but it's a big one, right? You could theoretically say to you. Uh, yeah, that's not, that's, not a, that's not a proper or, or accurate reaction. You shouldn't feel that this person is, is being that way. But at the same time, you could say, I understand why you feel that way. I understand the thought processes that are going through your head. And that's what validates it. And then I think it's actually more impactful. Or I hate saying more impactful. I think it has more impact to say, I understand how you could feel that way. I understand how you got there. But that's, that's actually not what's going on. And so your 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 feeling isn't an accurate one because X, Y, and Z. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm trying to like distinguish the difference
0: uh, a bit. It's gonna take me a, a while to wrap my head around that.
1: It's one thing. Okay, so let's say, um, you know, uh, Sarah Lane comes in to the tech news today set and slams down her keyboard and is like, "Who moved my stuff around?" and it would be easy for... And then I turn to you later and go like, wow, Sarah was really mad at me. And then you say to me, totally get why you would think that because you were sitting there waiting for her, looking at her. She came in and that was... And she got upset about things being moved around on her desk, right? I get why you think that she's mad at you, but you're wrong. She's not mad at you. She's actually just irritated because she had a long drive and the traffic was bad and some stuff was moved around on her desk. It has nothing to do with you. That's an example of... I get why you felt felt that, because the anger was radiating and everything, but take a look at it from the other side, and you'll see that you, you, you're mistaken. Does that, make, does that help? That definitely does, because I can't be like, no, you're wrong, Tom. It's,
0: it's, <laughs> it's like, no, no, I see. I, it's weird, because in that example, it's a really easy one of, like, for me to understand. i mean, be like, she, she probably came in. Did you see her, like, her, her Twitter stream that she was stuck in traffic and whatever? And right, right. Like, oh, yeah, 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 that's right. That's how that would actually go down. That's, that's, uh, that is a good one. Um, hmm. Now I'm, now I'm stuck in that stuff. And I got to think about that for a while. Let, let's switch gears entirely. How do you not go stir crazy? You're at home all day, all the time, and they yeah. never let you out for air. Um, dogs <laughs> don't take you out. How do you not go stir crazy?
1: Uh, no, I go out. That, uh, that's actually the, the key is not to, to, to shut myself in. For one thing, I'm lucky enough to live in a place that has two levels. So when I go down to do my show, I'm in a different environment. And I don't spend a lot of time down here when I'm not doing a show on purpose, so that I associate this with being a different place. Like this is going to work, right? Uh, the other thing I do is I make sure I force myself to get up and take breaks, and I force myself to leave the house at least once a day, which sounds ridiculous, but uh, there are some days where it's like, hey, I don't have to, I don't have to go anywhere, and I, I take the dogs for a walk at very minimum, or I go for a run. Uh, and and the other thing I do is. I'm pretty solidly preparing for Daily Tech News Show from about 10 a.m., 10, 10 to 10.30, up until showtime at 1.30. And to make myself not go stir crazy doing that, I schedule a a dog break in the backyard at 12 o'clock. Uh, and I, I make myself get up and get away. And it it's 10 minutes. It's not very long. 10 minutes are the longest Uh of just letting them outside. It's good for them. They get a little outside, get their break, get their stuff done. Uh, and it pulls me away and refreshes my brain. So I, I take some very active steps on purpose to make sure that I'm not just sitting in the same room all the time. And uh, granted, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have a situation where I can do that.
0: Yeah, Scheduling breaks, I think, and actually scheduling time, downtime, or like things that will make you feel better definitely work. Uh, since, since you are me in the future, and I just got the top five. I'm jobs. totally
1: not you in the future. I mean, I get why you say that because you took my old job from CNET doing the homepage, and, and now you're doing you know videos and podcasts and all of mm-hmm. that stuff. And, and 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 I get that. I get it. Uh, but uh, and 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 we, we we understand each other. But you're you're your own person. I guess very aware. But you seem to adjust.
0: It seems like you've adjusted to most of the crap I've had it like. I'm learning to adjust to still. So I like getting that insight of like, okay, what is the trick on this? How do you act as human as you do? And I mean, I'm not going to be from the Midwest. Right, as you are not human, as it's clear. Uh, I mean, you've adjusted, like you've done the big moves, you know, for work and you've done a lot of, uh, you've gone to just being independent and all this, all these other, like, these are giant tumultuous changes and you seem to handle them just fine. I would think they would be tumultuous. Maybe they'd go really smooth for you. You're laughing
1: Always show a calm face. That's the key. Uh, I don't know, man, I just wing it. I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I really, I really don't know. Uh, sometimes I look back, especially on, you know, series of events. There was, there was a series of events in the early part of the 2000s where, uh, like my, uh, oh, well, how to go. It was, um, got married, lost my job, uh, Wife's mom died, my dad died, <laughs> like all in the, sp- in, in the period of of two years, like all the huge stressful events uh, all happened at once. Uh, and I just coped, you know, I just tried to figure out from day to day, like, okay, let's just focus on what needs to be done next. Uh, and, and same thing. And I guess part of it is having experiences like that. Then the next time it's like, oh, I moved cities and lost a job, but that was it. You know, it wasn't so bad in retrospect. And uh, let's take the most recent thing where I, like, you know, I, I, I changed jobs, uh, and I had to start a bunch of stuff over from scratch. And it was very stressful. I was also just moved. So I'm still in that kind of post-move new, post-move new city stress. The way I got through that was just focusing on what had to be done that day. Uh, and I have my own organizational system for that. And I just like laser focused, like, look, all you can do are these things. And anything else that you can't do right now, don't worry about it. Just follow the list. Do the things that you could do. And then tomorrow, get up and do the things that you can do that day. And that really helped me.
0: Do you ever suffer from over planning? Do you um, just sometimes think, okay, this plan's way too in-depth? Or how do you keep track about the actual action items you're going to be doing?
1: Yeah, well, that has been a long time because – I, I used to be an a, a organizational nightmare and yeah, I would overplan and and underprepare sometimes or overprepare and therefore not do other things that I should have done because I was too busy preparing for this other thing. The, the system that I have now is basically calendar based. I, I adapted a lot of things from getting things done, but I have a task list that is repeatable for the most part, because most of my things are repeatable. I've regularly scheduled shows. And then I add in certain things as they come up, like, oh, you need to do that, you need to do that. Uh, And then I just roll through them every day. I'm like, okay, I have to get all these tasks done. And the thing that I've taken to doing more recently is saying, I need to schedule time for certain kinds of events. Uh, Even though they're just a task that can be done at any time, it makes a difference if you block out that time. You're like, look, Instead of just write the scripts for Tech Republic, uh, realize that you pretty consistently need 90 minutes to two hours to write those scripts is what it ends up being. So don't just put it on the test list. Block out two hours so that you have plenty of time to do it, and that lowers your stress level. Uh, And then you you tend to not sit there and spend all your time figuring out what to do each day because I've got a system now that kind of automatically does that for me.
0: It's odd that you bring up calendaring. That's basically, I also read GTD and I just, I, I got the action items thing and I just been scheduling things in general because I found if I didn't set a time for it, it just wouldn't get done or get pushed off or whatever. But because just to come up with the idea of like, actually, how much time is this going to take? Not only that, I'm setting up an appointment with myself to to do it. Otherwise, yeah. I, oh yeah, sure. I'm free that time. Like, wait a second. No, I was actually supposed to eat lunch today. This actually used to happen to me a lot where I would forget to eat when I was working from home because I was so wrapped up in work. I'm like, you got to really schedule time to eat. Because you end Yeah, up I,
1: I did that. I scheduled in at 11 o'clock. It's one of my breaks, actually. 11 o'clock a.m., I get up. It's between when I've done the first draft of the headlines and I start researching my story. I get up and I get my lunch. And then I eat it while I research. But still, it's part of the routine. Yeah, so definitely.
0: So that, well, that's interesting. So I've been doing something before you have. So, yay.
1: Hey, see, you're me six months from now. <laughs>
0: You're going to get a really dark tan. I'm sorry to tell you that.
1: Uh, <laughs> it's L.A. It's going to happen.
0: <laughs> so let's see. You moved. What was that like uh, culture shock wise? I mean, you, you moved to California for a job, right?
1: Yeah. Did you explain that
0: way back when? I'm not, not talking about this
1: L.A. Yeah, ninety In 99. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, here's the thing. I lived in Greenville, Illinois from 1970 when I was born there until 1988. Uh, I'm not going to go through all of those 18 years. Then 88, I moved up to Champaign, Illinois to go to University of Illinois. Uh, The first summer, I went back to Greenville for the summer. But after that, I pretty much stayed in Champaign. Then I went from there to Arlington, Virginia for an internship at Washington, D.C., lived in Washington, D.C., then went back to Champaign briefly for the summer down to Austin, lived in Austin from 93 to 99, then San Francisco. By the time I moved to San Francisco... Moving to a new place wasn 't as big of a deal i 'd done it before. Moving to a place that big uh, I had kind of done in washington d c but only for a short period of time. so it was it was ridiculously stressful. It's probably the hardest thing that i 've done in my life was take that risk, take that big jump, move into San Francisco at a time when you could not buy an apartment. Like you would show up at a listing and it would already be gone because somebody showed up earlier with cash. Uh, It was ridiculous. And I was doing a job that I found incredibly intimidating, working for a television network, working for a real website that people looked at. Uh, And I remember there was one night I was living in the place that I had rented. I'd rented a room with a bunch of roommates on Crescent Drive in, uh, in the Mission, North Mission, and almost uh, into the uh, Bernal Heights area, if you know it. And I remember laying down like, I can't, I can't do this. I was just laying down to go to sleep. I'm like, I don't think I can do this. And I just kind of stopped myself and I'm like, well, you can either quit or you can just try anyway. And I'm like, I was the conversation I had with myself. I'm like, all right, what do I have to lose? Uh, if I fall flat on my face, I can always go back to half price books and just sell books. You know, I did it for six years. Uh, it's, you know, it, what's the worst that could happen. And that moment really like has stuck with me since everything I do from then on, it's like, well, you know, you can always go back to slinging books. You can always find something else to do. Uh, and, and that's a lie. I mean, obviously there are cases where people get thrown out of a job and they can't find anything else to do. But it, it was just kind of a comfortable security blanket to realize, you know, I've been really like only having $50 a month for groceries, uh, barely enough to pay rent before. So the fact that I'm doing better than that uh, is progress. And I can, you know, if I survived doing that in the past, I can, I can keep going doing this.
0: Yeah, we used to joke about that. It's some, that's some place we used to work about. Like, oh, yeah, we could always go back to doing something else. So.
1: Yeah. Here we are. And it, it's, it's a key. It's a key to taking risks and being able to try new things is to to not worry that you're going to lose everything if you do.
0: Yeah. I, I, what I found is that uh, for some reason I handle uncertainty
1: pretty easily, which is very yeah. odd. Like if I,
0: I'm like, I have no idea what's coming up next. It's like, well, I don't know how to even react. Because- and that's.
1: That's something that I, I hate uncertainty. I really do. Like that, that is a difference between us because I I want to know where things are going. And once I know where things are going, then I can relax. But like not having something scheduled, not having like a lineup, that's why I oh so over prepare my shows is I want to know that I can fall back on all of that stuff. You know, I do that for certain things. I
0: call it idiot proofing for myself. Yeah. Where Like, you know, the worst version of me who's exhausted at two in the morning, you know, can this guy... Uh, let's say, an early morning flight. Can this guy survive? You know, pick up a bag and go. So I'll set it up really easy that way. But for, like, oddly, giant things, I'm just like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, we'll move to New York after living in California for a couple of years. What could go wrong? Like, yeah. what's the big I've, deal? I
1: feel a little more like that now just because yeah, I have moved to this. you. And maybe that's an advantage of growing up in New York. Like, you grew up in the biggest city in the U.S., right? There's nowhere to go but down for you, Whereas I grew up in one of the smallest. <laughs> and so to so moving like now that I've been in L.A., I'm like, well, this is the second biggest city. I've been to New York a bunch of times. Like, OK, yeah, there's bigger there's there's Mumbai and there's Mexico City. Out there, you know, there's bigger places out there. But but honestly, like I don't feel like the moving apart, whether it's because of the size of the place or just just the stress of moving bothers me. But that's only because I've done it a few times.
0: Yeah, and also moving back to New York, it's like uh, for me personally, you know, I, I grew up in Queens. I'm at Gfq right now, and uh, I am I'm living in Manhattan, and I have I've lived in Manhattan like as as an adult in a long like for a while. I've maybe lived there when I was in school, uh, but I never really saw Manhattan. I was always studying, so I had no freaking idea what was going on. I didn't know I lived between Chinatown and Little Italy. I literally had no idea. I was on Mulberry Street. It's the border. That's how much I was working. Uh, and I just always figured out here, like it doesn't matter if you don't fit in, you're gonna find people to fit in with here because everyone here is weird. Like it's completely normal to be weird i don't know that's kind of odd to say
1: um, yeah well it's like the internet but in real life
0: yeah it's kind of what new york is i mean uh i remember being on barts or like any anything in san francisco you'll see somebody who's just slightly out of whack or like in a spiked mohawk or something and you're like people like elbow like, do you like do you see that person i'm like yeah that's fine like the big deal. Like it, it's, that's, a, that's a person. Yeah, it's, it's normalized. In New York, you just kind of get used to that kind of stuff. But yeah, I guess, you're, I guess I got lucky that way. Because my folks, this is a story. I don't know if I've ever told you this even. My folks, uh, they, my, my parents are from Pakistan, and they were deciding where to move to. And my dad basically had like a book, because there's no internet. He had a book, and he's like looking through different cities. And he starts off with A's, and he's like, being be in Alaska. And he starts looking at things like Arkansas. He's so looking at states and the cities within. So I could have ended up in Alaska or Arkansas, or like Pinkery,
1: hey, And
0: oh. I would, I'm like, oh boy, that would have been very different. Um, but thankfully, my mom's father, my grandfather, had a Photoshop studio in New York so they a had photoshop a, studio an actual photo studio so like they actually did like, Oh, photo you said yeah.
1: photoshop I, I, okay i
0: meant to say because they actually did airbrushing on stuff so it's, i think uh-huh i thought photoshop
1: like he had know, an actual photoshop exactly not, yeah 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 no you, was, what you said is actually now that i'm thinking about it, it's perfectly accurate it's just funny given adobe
0: right so you know my <laughs> mom used to like work on airbrushing things and and uh, my and my Grandfather owned this photo studio and they take photos of people because this is what you did and, and back in the day to clean up an image, you literally airbrushed them that 's not just a term it 's an actual thing like he
1: 'd use an airbrush yeah, yeah,
0: and my mom was very good at it that 's what she that was what she did when she was a teenager, so like that helped us get to New York, but like it 's very odd and um, huh. I also got to grow up with a good story of my dad telling me that uh, when he came to this country and he was a doctor in Pakistan already, he came to this country and uh, he couldn't – he had to wait for the take the, te- the boards to be a licensed uh, physician out here. And so he needed money, so he took a job as a clerk. And every day he was there, his bosses would be like, you seem kind of, you seem kind of bright to be a clerk. And he's like, thank you. He would never say anything about what he really well, – he's a real doctor. And then eventually he quits. And they're like, why? He goes, I- I'm going to be a doctor now. They're like, <laughs> what?
1: Because- you're a huh?
0: Yeah, he's basically Batman. There he goes. He's off being a doctor, and it's like, okay, that was pretty cool. So like, just just to have that bit of humility, that story from my folks telling me, like, oh yeah, we could have lived in Alaska, and your dad was a clerk. It's like, wow, did not, did not. Uh, no well, way.
1: and and that's it's such a good example of when to not say more than you need to say, right? Like my impulse you know, in my 20s would have been, if somebody's like, you seem real bright to be a doctor, it'd be like, yeah, well, see, but the thing is, yeah, you know, I'm from Pakistan. I moved, I'm moving I'm take a board. You know, I tell this long story, right? Uh, it was just so much cleaner and easier to say thank you because then you acknowledge the person, they feel good, like, oh, yeah, you took the compliment, that's great. But then you don't have to, you don't have to get into the complications of explaining your life to somebody.
0: That's also why at uh, where I work right now, a lot of folks are like, you were a lawyer? I get yelled at about that. I'm like, um... <laughs> yeah, I don't bring it up because I don't see why it should come up. And they're like, because you're a lawyer. I'm like, why are we yelling? I don't care. Like, I, I work here now. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't work in the legal department. So not. you should just
1: tell them to cease and desist.
0: They yell. O- on that note, Tom, if uh, people wanted to find you online or if you, wanted, <laughs> if you wanted to tell anybody anything ever, now's your chance because you'll never be online ever again.
1: Sure. No, thank you for this opportunity. Uh, TomMerritt.com, two R's, two T's, is my website that has all of my projects. Uh, It's all in there if you poke around. Uh, But if you like tech news, dailytechnewsshow.com. If you like conversations like this, I do a um, usually monthly, it's kind of a regular show, with uh, Roger Chang called East Meets West. And I do a bunch of other shows about pop culture, geeky stuff, tech stuff. Uh, So yeah, if you're interested, TomMerritt.com.
0: Yeah, and Tom's the best in the business when it comes to tech news. And also, this guy's been a mentor to me for a while. So, thanks for doing that, by the way. It's been kind of hey. been very helpful.
1: So, it was a two way street. It was very helpful to, uh, to be able to work with you. And uh, I'm glad that we continue to, to find ways to collaborate now. It's awesome.
0: It's always an excuse just to talk. Otherwise, we'd be like arguing over like Twitter or something. I no, we know. wouldn't. No, it's not possible. It's, not, <laughs> yes. it's not, not a good
1: enough medium. I think. I was trying to argue with you. No,
0: I was going with Twitter's the wrong medium. I'm arguing with myself
1: right now. Excuse me. Twitter uh, and Medium have uh, the same founder.
0: Anyway. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so occasionally I'm on Daily Tech News show, so you can you can watch that, and I'll be there. Yeah, and we talk. we
1: would like to have Ayaz more, by the way, uh, but he's got a lot going on, so we try to get him on as much as we can without imposing. Um, uh, it's very good, It's very kind of you to come on as often as you do.
0: And I actually will be able to increase that, and we'll talk about that later. Anyway, um, that that does it for us. And if you want to see more episodes, and you want to see how often I have failed at finding peace, and what I'm actually doing to be somewhat successful, I, I'm not. Totally put myself down here. I've I've grown a lot over the past seven years to, you know, get a little bit more level-headed and patient and trying to understand people and and I am way more calm. If you knew me at twenty, you wouldn't like me at twenty, uh, but I'm thirty-five now, so things are good. Um, you can watch uh, old episodes at gfqnetwork.com. We've got a whole bunch of stuff, including uh, Tom and our our original discussion a while ago, a long time ago, and now this episode. And so you'll have all of those back to back to back to back. We've had. Liz Romero on, we've had Andrew Zarian on, we've had Strickland on, Jonathan Strickland. We've had lots of people. Um, Tim Stevens, lots of folks with lots of insights. So hopefully you get some help out of this. And if you didn't, let's keep trying. It'll be okay. And that does it for us. I'm Ayaz Akhtar.